Well, good morning. And welcome to church. It's wonderful that you can be here in person, but also great that you can join us online as well today. Before I get into the message, how about we just pause for a moment and let's just pray together. So let's just pray. Loving, gracious God, we give you thanks for the gift that you have given us. We give you thanks for salvation through Christ and Christ alone. We give you thanks for your word found in the Bible. Our Lord, today I ask that your Holy Spirit rain down upon us, fall upon us, so that we may understand your word afresh and anew for our lives today. May you speak to us as a church and as individuals. Lord, Your Holy Spirit, come and be upon us. Your word be a light to our path. Lord, we ask this in your gracious and loving name, the name of Christ. Amen. Well, we are in week four of our journey through the book of Galatians. We've been, um, every so often, just delving back into one of the books of the Bible and just having a look at, at how we understand the Bible and just being a little bit more in-depth and a little bit more uh, directive in the way we're do, looking at that. Today I'm going to be exploring Galatians chapter 4, verses 8 through to 20. Um, and this section of Galatians, the book um, that, that we have in the Bible, which is, forms one of the, the you know, uh, this group of letters. So they're letters written by the apostles to various churches. And this one's written to the church in Galatia. Um, and, and in this section, we're just going to be exploring um, a little bit about how people were coming into the church in Galatia and trying to get the believers in Galatia to fall back into legalistic patterns of behaviour, of legalistic patterns of Jewish behaviour. And in doing so, it caused rifts and tensions between the apostle, between the church, and also change the nature of what the church was all about. So in my preparation for, for coming into this week's message, um, what I often do is I'll, I'll read the passage a number of times that I'm going to be looking at. And in, in this case, I read through Galatians a, a couple of times. And, and if you don't know, I, I, I often go out for a, a really early morning walk. And one of the things I'll do is I'll actually put on... Um, I'll get, get open the Bible app and I'll put it on there and I'll let it read the passage to me. So as you're walking along, you're hearing the word of God coming through there. And it came into Galatians chapter 4 and I was going through that and I'm just pondering where I'm going to go. And a verse struck me. And it's the verse I want to share with you and it's the verse that I've based this message upon. It was as though God was speaking to me in that very moment and go, this is what you need to speak about. And the verse is actually verse 15. 
um, in chapter 4, and it says, Where is that joyful and grateful spirit you felt then? You know, as, as I listened to that word, my heart was stirred. I felt God saying to me as a person, where has your joyful spirit gone? Where are you being grateful? How are you being thankful for what has happened? So it prompted me to ask this question of us as the church. Have we lost our joyful and grateful spirit? Has it gone? Or are we full of joy? Are we full of hope? Are we full of God's presence? So let's jump into the Bible. And if you've got the Bible with you, um, let's open it up either into the physical form. If you've got the Bible app, um, please Jump on your phone and open it up there as well. We're going to be jumping into Galatians chapter 4, verses 8 through to 20. And so we'll also put it on the screen for you as well, so if you don't have your Bibles there. And it starts with this. Before you Gentiles knew God, you were slaves to so-called gods that do not even exist. So so Paul's kind of giving the, the indication of who the church is made up of, those people who are made up of there, they, they, they were outside of the Jewish faith. And so basically saying that you actually didn't know the one true living God. He goes on and says, so now that you know God, or should I say that now that God knows you, why do you want to go back again and become slaves once more to the weak and useless spiritual principles of this world. It's a challenge. When we, you know, this challenged me as I was thinking about this and praying about this and listening to this. What are the things that we do now that we've we've said yes to Christ, now that we've said, yes, I want to follow follow Jesus Christ, what are the things that we fall back on that aren't life-giving, that aren't lifting us up and bringing us closer to God? What are the weak spiritual principles that we keep on putting in play instead of the life-giving love of Jesus Christ in us? Paul goes on to say in verse 10, You are trying to earn favour with God by observing certain days or months or seasons or years. I fear for you. Perhaps all my hard work with you was for nothing. Dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to live as I do in freedom from these things, for I have become like you Gentiles, free from those laws. So he's actually going, you, you, being told you've got to go back into patterns of behaviours and observance of things that have been passed, but Christ came to give you freedom. Jesus came to give you freedom, and you have freedom indeed. So we're meant to live out of that freedom, and what we've been hearing before in the, the weeks prior through all of this section in Galatians, is that we live in freedom. We're free from those laws. Then Paul goes on, You did not mistreat me when I first preached to you. Surely you remember that I was sick when I first brought brought you the good news, but even though my condition 
tempted you to reject me. You did not despise me or turn me away. No, you took me in and cared for me as though I were an angel from God or even Christ Jesus himself. Where is that joyful and grateful spirit you felt then? Now, now Paul's putting it in this framework here is that when they first received the message of Jesus Christ, when they first received Paul's teaching about Jesus, they were joyful and grateful and and welcoming. But now they've got other people trying to teach them and draw them away from the hope and love of Jesus Christ. He's asking, why have you left that joyful and grateful spirit? Why have you gone elsewhere? Why have you moved away from this? He goes on to say, I'm sure you would have taken out your own eyes and given them to me if it had been possible. Have I now become your enemy because I'm telling you the truth? These false teachers are so eager to win your favour, but they, their intentions are not good. They are trying to shut you off from me so that you will pay attention only to them. If someone is eager to do good things for you, that's all right, but let them do it all the time, not just when I'm with you. Oh, my dear children, I feel as if I'm going through labour pains for you again and they will continue and Christ is fully developed in your lives. I wish I were with you right now so that I could change my tone, but at this distance, I don't know how else to help you. You know, he's, he's, Paul's kind of saying that people are challenging the teaching about Christ and trying to get you to draw you back away into the old religious patterns that were there. Draw you away back into the way you used to live. Paul's going, no, you are free and you need to live out of that, out of that salvation. So the concern that Paul has for the church, and, and, and I think for our church as well as, and for myself and, and what God was placing on my heart, was have we lost the joy and grateful heart that we once had? Have we replaced them with rules and regulations of observance of religious legalism rather than the joy of our salvation? Are we living out of the joy of our salvation? Now, I read this um, really interesting description so, so we can kind of understand the difference between living out of the joy of the, our salvation and the freedom that we have from that compared to religious legalism. I'm just going to give you this little illustration that hopefully will help you in this. Just imagine for a moment your favourite restaurant. Have you got what your favourite restaurant is? Anybody want to just share, you know, in the room, what's your favourite restaurant? Nobody has a favourite restaurant? The Palace Gardens at Menai. And what's, the, what's your favourite food there? Honey chicken, fantastic. Honey chicken is um, one of my children's favourite meal as well, so they love that to get a big thing of honey chicken. So, just think for a moment. Your favourite place, your favourite restaurant, your favourite dish. Okay? Got that in your head? Yep, cool. Got it in the head. Now, you order that 
that dish, favourite dish, Palace Restaurant, Menai, Honey Chicken, the waiter writes it down, goes into the kitchen, talks to the chef in the kitchen and comes back with this beautiful plate. And on this plate is this ornate piece of paper with beautiful cursive writing on it that has the recipe. You pick it up and you start eating that piece of paper because that's the meal. See, when we observe religious legalism, it's like eating your favourite dish at a restaurant as only the recipe on a piece of paper. It is the description of how it happens, but it is not the, the joy of eating the meal. It's the description of how to do it. It is not the meal itself. Salvation in Jesus brings us joy, brings us freedom, brings us hope. And when we fall back into patterns of behaviour that we once had, as Paul is trying to get the Galatians to move away from again, we lose that joy. We start thinking that the recipe is more important than the meal. I love us, and, and, and this is not a, a one-off occurrence. This is not something that um, is, is unique just to this situation. If we delve back into Psalm 51 and verse 12, and it says this, and we'll put it up on the screen for everybody. And this is where David, King David from the Israelite nation is, is, is asking for forgiveness and restoration back into into the loving nature of God because he's fallen astray. He's gone back into patterns of behaviour that he shouldn't have. And he says this, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey. So it's, it's not something that is just unique just in this situation in Galatia. It happens all throughout. We want to go back to the way things were and we forget the joy of our salvation that God gives us. Joy comes from our salvation, not from the rules. Joy comes because we know intimately who Jesus is for us. I also was reading um, in my preparation, and I'm just going to go on a little side jaunt for you for a moment, that um, it's interesting because when we think about joy, what do we think about for a moment? Do we think um, that we, we need to be happy, that everything needs to be, you know, bubbly and moving? Joy, and they described it like this. Happiness is like the temperature. It can be hot, it can be cold, it can be up and it can be down. Whereas joy is like the thermostat that sets where the temperature is. And so joy in our life we can have joy in our life and the temperature is going up and down, but the thermostat sets us where we have. And the thermostat we have is the joy of salvation, the love of God for our, in our lives. That sets us up for what we need to be and how we need to live. Yes, we'll have moments of low, we'll have moments of high, but we have this expectation, we have this basis where we work towards 
So as I was walking along early morning, and I mean early morning, it's like 4.30 in the morning, it's dark, um, and I'm walking along and I'm listening to Galatians. And I hear God say, where has your joyful heart gone? It's really easy to fall into this trap of, of, of observance, of patterns of behaviours, of the things that we need to do that kind of make us feel like we're, we're moving in the right direction. But we know that God in Jesus Christ has done all that we need to do and we don't need to do things in order to get salvation. Jesus has given us our salvation. And, and it's not the patterns of behaviour that cause joy to come out of me. It's actually knowing that I don't have to do anything, that Jesus has done it already. See, if we think that we're going to be happy because of all the things that we can do and all of the things that we're able to do, of observing all the rules, keep in mind what King David, a man after God's own heart, kept on falling short. If our joy depends on us fulfilling every command, then we're never going to be satisfied because we will always fall down. We'll always slip up. There will be something that we won't do and so our joy will disappear. But our joy is not in keeping the commands. Our joy is in knowing Christ and the loving relationship that that happens there. Let me ask you this question. Is there something that is robbing the joy from you? If you think that joy is not welling up inside of you, maybe there is a sin that you need to confess. Maybe there's a sin that you need to bring up and ask God for forgiveness. If there's no joy in your life, ask the Holy Spirit to shine his spotlight into your heart to show where there may be an unconfessed sin, to ask the God to cleanse you of your, your heart of that sin and restore that joy of your salvation to you. And I love how things just flow together when we worship. Because I gave this passage to Lachlan earlier in the week and without any prompting, we sang about the Holy Spirit coming for the first two songs. And Lachlan didn't know what I was going to be talking about specifically, but God just uses those moments about lifting us up and actually going, we need to be asking the Holy Spirit to cleanse us of those sins. We need to ask the Holy Spirit to bring joy back into our life. Now, I don't know about you, but some of you may know the, the Scottish theologian and, and prolific writer, William Barclay. Anybody know who William Barclay is? There's a, there's a couple of people that'll know. And, and, and some of you may even have some uh, commentaries on there, you know, classic um, you know, commentaries for every book of the Bible. You know. He actually wrote this little statement. He penned this little statement. And I think, I think it's really interesting. The Christian is a person of joy. So the Christian is a person of joy. A gloomy Christian is a contradiction of terms. 
Nothing in history has done Christianity more harm than its connection with black clothes and long faces. I'm glad I'm not wearing black today. <laughs> because what are we meant to have? Joy. We're meant to be living out of this joy. Now, it's, it's not about wearing black is bad. It's not about... Um, that you won't have a long faces, you won't have hard times. But the question remains, are you joyful? Are you living out of the joy of your salvation? Do you have a grateful heart because of what Jesus has done for all of the world and for you? And I hope you say yes. I hope you say, yes, that is what I want. I want to have a joyful heart. I want to have a grateful heart. I want to live out of my salvation and I want my life to be different. If you do, just pray with me right now. A gracious, loving God, you know all that is going on in my mind. Rather than dwelling on what concerns me, I'm turning my worries into prayers. Oh Lord, please renew my mind so that I can focus on the joy you offer me through the gift of salvation. Thank you, our Lord, for helping me manage the situations that sap the joy from me. Oh Lord, please prompt me to pray about these situations instead of worrying about them. Oh Lord, give me the wisdom to see my circumstances from your perspective so that they won't make me anxious but will remind me to ask you for your help in each situation. A gracious God, I will follow your commands not to worry about anything but instead to pray about everything. Oh Lord, the more I pray, the more I'll encounter the wonder of your presence, O oh gracious Lord, which will bring me joy. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy of your presence rather than worrying when I am anxious. I will seek your presence and look forward to experiencing joy once more. Amen.